Hi everyone and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 66660. I'm John Maloney and I'm here as always with my pod brother Alexander Holland. Hi everybody, thanks for having me in your ears. Uh, this is probably my last um, <laughs> right up front. This is probably it's probably my last pod, everyone, because <laughs> you might be able to hear that I've got a little bit of a telltale hoarseness in my voice, a bit of breathiness, uh, because I've got COVID. Yeah. I finally, finally did it. At long last, you, one mm. of us has contracted Karonky Bonky. <laughs> the Karonky Bonky. I was trying to think yeah. of like, uh, I was going to tease you because I was thinking, it's just another example of Maloney being completely behind the trends that he's chosen yeah, that's to true. get COVID like way after it's out of season. It's actually pretty much on cue for me, like about <laughs> two, two and a half years before everyone, after everyone else has done it. I'm like, I'm like getting, getting COVID and watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh, have you guys, have you guys seen The Wire? <laughs> I'm looking at you. <laughs> I'm looking at you on the Zoom video, and for anyone who, who obviously can't see John, he's got a faux hawk. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a faux hawk, and he's and he's and with frosted tips. Yeah, I got like got my frosted tips and my COVID. Uh, <laughs> he's wearing a Lincoln Park T-shirt. Have you guys heard of COVID and new metal? He's just occupying himself with a fidget spinner. <laughs> I'm just chasing chasing Pokemon. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> get Coney. Get Coney. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and he's, he's oh, going, really, sending me really all these. I think we can make a difference, guys. Sending me all these photos going, look at me planking everywhere, Al. <laughs> planking, he's planking, he's doing the ice bucket challenge, he's getting COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um listening to Gangnam style. <laughs> That's right. He's doing that horsey Gangnam style dance. Hoop Gangnam style. <laughs> That's I made a little actually years uh, ages ago I made a list. For the podcast, I'll see if we can see if we can find it. Of like things that had similarly passed me by, but there are things like that. Like you know, I never watched Avatar until <sighs> till lock till lockdown. I just was like, oh yeah, right. I haven't I, seen it either. What do you think? Worth my time? Uh probably not. Um, like you're not gonna. It's not gonna change your life. It is kind of cool, but I'm glad I held out as long as I did. Because I probably enjoyed telling people I hadn't seen it more than I enjoyed eventually seeing it. Right. And also, like, things like Crazy Rich Asians. I never okay. watched that. I probably never will watch it. Uh, and obviously all the Marvel <laughs> movies. I enjoy very yeah. much not not being part of that, as we've discussed on the show. But I've decided to get on the COVID bandwagon. Yeah. And I really, I've really gone in hard. Like, I had a... Week positive initially, but then the day after I got a real, real strong one. And I said, Jacinda's got it as well. And I said, I'm getting it. I'm getting it real hot and strong. And um, <laughs> she's, I said, what sort of symptoms are you getting? And she was like, oh, you know, tiredness, 
bit of achiness, bit of like congestion. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I'm getting a little stronger than that. I'm getting, are you getting like, I just feel like I want to attach myself to something and force it to make thousands of copies of me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> getting like, <laughs> I, think it's get, I think it's getting a little bit like in the fly where it starts to influence my behavior. We we deliberately avoided talking about COVID throughout most of the podcast because yeah, it was that's meant true. to be it was meant to be a bit of respite from the news cycle. We decided yeah. despite our strong opinions on everything, we both decided mm. not to have a culture war podcast. <laughs> and part of that included not doing a ton of talk about COVID. Mm. And now you've got it and, and this I is the most COVID we've ever done. It's true, it is, yeah. So, thanks everyone for 60 episodes. We'll see yeah. how we go. I want to put the the feelers out and say, you know, I always say, guys, yeah. Instagram account, email us at don'tpraise at aol.com. We're looking for a brand new host. We're looking yeah. for somebody that's probably got strong COVID antibodies by now, probably got, <laughs> has got it once or twice. Yeah. Yeah, the the producers of the show have said to me, look, it's not that you're, it's not even about the fact that you've got COVID and you'll recover, but we just, we can't afford to have someone who's going to continually get sick. We've got to get someone with antibodies in here who's not going to miss a beat. And, you know, I've got to, I've got to take a back seat for a while, got to shut down and retool. So I've asked you to, uh, I asked you to write out uh, a little handover uh, mm. document for the next host, the kind of mm. duties that they'll have and what their expectations will be, what they'll be responsible for. <laughs> yeah. John's written like AI companion. You've got to be across the AI companion space. Yeah. I gave him my Quince password. I gave him a <laughs> couple of thread through ideas. Um, gave me the ad- address of the Brunswick Spiritual Lyceum Church. It's a full, it's a full dance. It's a full time job. You were just weeping as you did all of this. <laughs> take care, me. take care of her. I love the care so much. <laughs> I tried to negotiate with HR to keep to keep a little thread through guest spot, and they were like, "Nah, people have had enough of thread throughs." Take care of Al, will you? He's a good kid. (laughs) And we wish you the best. On to the show. (laughs) What's, how's your week been? You don't have COVID? No, I've never, and I've never had it. Maybe Mm. we should let everybody know that, that COVID has been terrified of me yeah. because what I would do, and I think this is, you know, people had their various suggestions about how to avoid it, masking, vaccines, forget about that. I'll tell you what you do is every time you are around people, all you do, I would just take my shirt off and flex my muscles like a a bodybuilder on stage. Yeah. I'd take my shirt, I'd take my shirt off and I would take... (laughs) my pants off and I'd have a little bodybuilders <laughs> competition golden golden shiny g-string on yeah. and I'd I'd say girl oh, this covid is this really what you want to be wrestling with here is this I really am. 
And then I would then I, yeah, and then I would play "Rock You Like a Hurricane" by Scorpions really loud. On a, I'd carry a Bluetooth speaker around with me. Yeah, I'd hop up on. There'd be a kitchen table, or sometimes it might. I might be taking public transport, so I'd hop up on the bench at the at the train station. Yeah, I get on my gear. I get on my gear off. And I have my little golden G-string and a little number attached to it like I was in a bodybuilding competition and I play Rock You Like a Hurricane. (laughs) Here I am, rock you like a hurricane. (laughs) And I'd flex all my muscles and say, you really want to come in at this house, COVID? You think you can beat this kind of fitness? And I never... Got it, because I think COVID knew it had met its match. Yeah, that or maybe that just took care of a social isolation for itself. <laughs> um, <laughs> that reminds me, as I'm sure it does you, of this long-running stupid joke that we had about uh, where we saw a show. Others may remember it was a kind of noughties flash in the pan. There was a documentary and a few news specials about a child bodybuilder who was like the yeah who was billed as like the fittest boy on earth or something or the, yeah and uh and then it was just <laughs> pick this, up the newspaper pick up the tv guide and go oh, fittest boy on earth is on television tonight i do think that's something i want to check out <laughs> yeah i wonder how fit a boy can be <laughs> that doesn't that's nothing wrong with that i don't need to be any on any kind of watch list um but uh yeah, there was this strange phenomenon where it, I think it was American. I'm not quite sure now. Probably look it up. Yeah, so, that's I'll, probably true. This might want to be pretty careful with this Google search. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Very yeah, better fit you than me. Boy, very very fit boy. <laughs> <laughs> Warning. <laughs> World's fittest. And youngest boy. Just redirects you to the FBI page. (laughs) World's strongest boy. Oh, here he is. He comes straight up. World's strongest boy. So weird looking. I don't want this. This is not what I want. (laughs) (laughs) What's his name? Talk Uh, us through. Nicknamed Little Hercules. Yeah, that's the one. And it's it's one of these articles, because this was so long ago, it's one of these articles it's one of these where are they now articles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a healthy start to life. Yeah. Child bodybuilder Richard Sandrak, who was once dubbed mm-hmm. Little Hercules, is living very different nowadays. He looks like he's got a, fair, he's got a fairly normal physique now. So it looks like- oh. uh just grew into it. Yeah. But it was very- It looked like something was very wrong because he had a man's- He had like a male bodybuilder's body with boy head. <laughs> This Sport Bible article says, World's Strongest Boy, nicknamed Little Hercules, looks very different now. And then there's just a photograph of a gravesite, which is kind of <laughs> sad. <laughs> it's just a tombstone. It's an insensitive, like, why not just say he passed away? <laughs> he doesn't just look different. <laughs> <laughs> um, have, have a look at, uh, I'm going to send you, have a look at how, Sandrak's looking doughier than me these days, which I love. <laughs> he is. Look at the that. World's, the world's strongest boy has t- got dad bod now. Yeah. Little Hercules has become just kind of big, big chunk, just a big loaf of bread. 
We want to say thank you, Sandrak, for the memories <laughs> of yeah, friend of the show, <laughs> friend of the show, <laughs> big big Sandrak. And we want to say sand, thank you for giving trap. us the enduring image of a tiny boy with a big head and a man's <laughs> body, which <laughs> imagine. <laughs> Imagine this. I'm going to send you another classic Sandrak photo from the golden <laughs> era. Imagine this. Oh, no. Just have this as a like huge poster on your wall. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's funny how I'm, how well I remember that because it's such a disturbing image. Yeah, because oh, his head's God. so – because he obviously has a boy's head, but also it's the ratio of his head to body size that is creeping yeah. you out. You go, his head is yeah. way too big for that body. It is too big. And he's um, and he's very – yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like describing the body of a boy, but uh, he's <laughs> 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 He's very muscular, and I and I just wish him the best. And I'm glad he's turned out to be uh, just a doughy regular man. Yeah, because that's pretty much if you start life as a boy Hercules, <laughs> then I then I'd say ending up without body dysmorphia is that's pretty true, much be- best case scenario. You've been talking in a few recent apps about your athletic feats and about those of a uh, friend of the show, Gary. Yeah. Um, and during the week, uh, what with my suffering from a little bit of fog brain due to COVID, I've been enjoying uh, the odd patch of cycling, which is a nice bit of slow TV. Cycling? Um, and the Giro d'Italia is on. Okay. Which is the... Those of you who are familiar with the Tour de France, which is pretty much everyone, will maybe be less familiar with the Giro d'Italia, but it's a part of that same cycling season, right? And uh, and people love it. It's very kind of it's a very sort of it's the kind of thing that you know a certain number of people get obsessed with and whatever, um, and love kind of figuring out all the strategy and all the points. But my interest was piqued by a slightly different phenomenon. And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. So there's a guy, uh, Matthew van der Poel. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but he's okay. a um, Dutch. He's a Dutch. He's a Dutch cyclist, and uh, and he was the um, he was the winner of the stage one competition. So the way that it works, and I'm sure that cycling nerds will correct me on the nuances which I've mistaken, but. Um, you know, there's the overall winner of the competition, obviously, but there's also people who are there's there's um, different stage prizes that you can get, and there's also prizes that you can get for specific feats along the way. So, for example, if you if you get, I mean, people will be familiar with somebody getting like the pink jersey, which oh, means yeah, that yeah. you're like the you're like the average fastest, and you hold that as long as your kind of aggregate time is the fastest. Not the average fastest, but the aggregate fastest. So, you know, sometimes if you're really good, you'll hold that for like, I don't know, 10 days or something, I think one person did in this competition. And that that was kind of an unexpected surprise. There's also prizes for winning, being the fastest on a particular day. 
So there'll be at the end of each day a celebration for somebody who won that stage. Gotcha. So, you know, and that's quite a feat in itself. Like some people don't have much hope of being the fastest cyclist in the world, but they might, if they really try their guts out, get away with winning one stage and then they can just, you know, that, that'll be their cycling story for the rest of their life. Some people, there's even things like King of the Mountain, which is like, there'll be like a climbing stage. And if you win that part of the race, you get... Uh, this kind of king of the mountain prize. So there's that kind of stuff, right? Just by way of background. Sure. But Vanderpol, he won stage one. So the first day he got the fastest time, as I understand it. And he's up there on the podium at the end of the day. I'm sure everyone's familiar with this kind of scene. You know, there's the little stage and there's like maybe a bit of ticker tape. There's some some girls walking around. There's mm. some uh, some dudes on the sort of podium. And there's... Uh, usually sort of oversized bottles of Prosecco. <laughs> yes. And uh, and uh, Vanderpol is is leaning over one of these bottles of Prosecco trying to get it open. Yeah. And cyclists are really renowned for their leg strength, but apparently unless you're like a sprinter, you've got pretty weak arms. So they can't, rather than picking up these bottles, they just do this bizarre thing <laughs> where they where they kind of he's like bent double looking straight into the eye of this fucking bottle of prosecco oh no and sure enough he like undoes the wire and then it goes and it's like a giant bottle and it pops straight into his like face and neck <laughs> and Fuck, I didn't see this and the uh and the the commentators were like quite shocked but also amused so I've got a bit of transcript here from the commentary one of yeah. them says Oh, dear, I'm sorry for laughing. Did he just pop himself in the face with the cork? I mean, that man should know how to pop a champagne bottle by now, shouldn't he? He may be starting with a black eye in the morning. I didn't even know where that came from. How bizarre, blah, 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 blah. And then, so that was Vanderpol. Thankfully, he pulled up okay. He had a bit of bruising because it's like a massive sort of novelty bottle of, yeah. of Prosecco. So it's a serious cork. He had a bit of bruising, pulled up okay, carried on. And then... Uh, and then a Spanish rider whose name was Lopez, he pulled into the lead as like the average stage winner, Juan Pedro Lopez. He gets the so-called, I think it's the pink jersey in this case. Could be wrong about that. But, you know, it's this sort of aggregate yeah, yeah. time winner. First day he gets that jersey, he gets up on the podium. Again, he does this bizarre technique where he just leans straight over the fucking bottle of Prosecco and it and it's what thwacks him in the neck, <laughs> and he goes down. <laughs> no, wait, this then, is wait, this is the same race, the same, same competition, same competition. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, everyone's like, "Jesus Christ, not again!" Right? And again, he's okay, and he, in fact, he holds the the pink jersey for another ten days or something. And then we get to stage ten, and there's a guy called um, Biniam Biniam. Uh, Binny, sorry, I'll just get his name right. His name's Biniam Germay. Okay. Germay. Biniam Germay. He's an Eritrean cyclist. Uh, people are kind of excited because he's the first black African to make it, to do this well in cycling. And he yeah, wins okay. stage 10. And, uh, and he, you know, everyone's celebrating. It's this, it's this big thing. He's quite a cool, charismatic guy and he's well liked in the competition and he, goes to this um, celebration at the end of the stage and he leans over the uh, <laughs> bottle of Prosecco and it, and, it, and, the, and the poor bugger, it gets him 
directly in the eye and he <laughs> and he has to and he's like he's putting on a brave face kind of waving and cheer everyone's cheering and whatever and he's but he has to, he's seen this happen to the two previous like i suppose he must have yeah i mean i don't know how much attention he's paid to that but he's he does pretty much the exact same thing and I, as far as i know this would have certainly been after stage one and i'm pretty sure it was after juan pedro lopez had done the same thing and then jimai uh, does it to himself gets him gets himself directly in the paper and there's a and he does an injury to the uh like bruises the area immediately behind his eye which can oh, be fuck. quite quite serious gets taken off to hospital to look at it uh after he's kind of done a little bit of celebrating and then the next day he says look i'm sorry but i'm gonna have to pull out of the fucking competition because 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 my eye because i've injured my eye celebrating this stage win and uh and then and so now the the People who are running the Giro d'Italia yeah. are like, "What? Why the fuck does this keep happening?" Right? And and they realise that part of the problem is they've got these giant novelty bottles of prosecco sitting out there all day in the sun because it's kind of become it, it's become part of the like stage dressing of the event. I think that you have these kind of very you know very celebratory looking stages and there's these giant bottles ready to be popped by whoever wins the stage for that day but if you leave a bottle of prosecco particularly a giant one out in the sun all day then uh the pressure's going to build up and then when you unwrap the wiring and get ready to pop it it's going to be a bit too ready to pop and it might be doing so with so much force that it injures you and forces you to withdraw <laughs> from the competition so <laughs> so now they've just started uh, doing this slightly piss weak thing where they just uncork the bottles before anyone gets there, yeah, and then the and then the then the competition winners will just kind of, you know, put put their thumb over the oh, lid of it and give it give it a bit of a spray in the audience's faces and whatever. Mm. Um, but uh, I just couldn't believe that because I was just like, come on, like, surely I don't know, like I know that this isn't a key part of what they're thinking about or doing when they're competing, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to happen too many times you'd think before you'd start thinking like, you know, maybe you'd say to them, look, just be careful that when you open, I don't know if you've ever opened a bottle of uh, champagne before, but you're not supposed to point it directly into your face when you do it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and if you do, particularly with a giant fun size bottle, it might <laughs> might give you a good wallop. But uh, but I couldn't believe that this seemingly because I read actually that the first thing I read was this guy Jume who had to withdraw, and I thought, God, how terrible, right? And then I was thinking, well, that's got to be like the only time that's happened because it just sounds like such an unfortunate freak occurrence. But then I learned it had happened twice previously in that same uh giro that wow. same year i don't know how many times it's happened over the years maybe there's a couple of maybe it's like horse racing there's a couple of players every year who get taken out by bottles and they just <laughs> nobody talks about it somebody gets somebody gets himself in the eye and then they just put up a curtain and call the vet <laughs> seems like in a, it's funny the champagne thing when you mention it there's just two competitions i think of 
Formula One racing and cycling are the things I yeah. think of instantly yeah. when I think of these champagne podium showers. It seems yeah, to be a, a, like a seems to be a bit like a fancy continental European sport tradition. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, nobody's like you know at rugby tournaments like yeah. pouring champagne on it. Man. Maybe they do, but it's just not a. It's just not something you associate. You got the with that. you got the Super Bowl with the traditional Gatorade tub dump. That's much more oh, yeah. like working class. Yeah, it is. But yeah, there you go. So, my advice to the remaining uh, contenders is <laughs> maybe put some protective goggles on, <laughs> some headwear, uh, and don't point it at your face. Some of my friends will know because I bang on about it a little bit. I've been trying to improve my singing in the last yeah. couple of years, which I've really enjoyed because I always enjoyed singing, but I never tried to get better at it. And I think I've mentioned mm. on the cast before, I never tried to, uh, I never recorded myself. And it's only really when you record yourself or at the very least being able to hear your voice in headphones directly as you sing that you hear what you would sound like if you ever tried to actually record on a piece yeah. of music and it's the <laughs> the standard you, you realize the standard is a lot higher than karaoke for example you have a few <laughs> beers you have a few beers at karaoke and you sing a yeah. song and you, you think, think it's in tune I sound amazing mate, mate i could be i could be a pop star i could be yeah What's her name? What was her name from uh, America? From X Factor, the the old woman, uh, Pompey Dompey. Is that her name? <laughs> Do- is it Doyle? Was it Doyle? Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle. You think to yourself, you could mm. be Susan Boyle, and then you're home sober, and you pop on a couple of karaoke YouTube videos, and you record yourself mm. singing. You listen back, and it is way harder to maintain pitch. Uh, and inject feeling into the songs than you would have perhaps ever thought before. So that's been cool. It's been a really fun thing to try and learn. But, mm. and I definitely have improved, yeah. but uh, but it just makes me think. I've really started to do this about 25 years after I perhaps would have been at my peak of starting to learn. Like, let's say I'm 15, 16 years old. And I decided then that I wanted to sing. Maybe I started singing in a band and I heard myself back and I thought, oh, that's not great. I need to get better. I'll try and get better. Yeah. And it just makes me think it's one of those things, your your voice obviously deteriorates with age in terms of mm. your ability to sing high, certainly. And you tend to lose a lot of that note quality. A- anybody knows who's watched their favorite um, pop stars, we've mentioned this before in the past, try and sing in their later years. It's rare that your favorite pop yeah. stars can still give a, a commanding performance vocally. And it just made me think, yeah, what if I'd started to do this when I was like 15? What could my, <laughs> what could my voice... I don't know what my voice would have sounded like when I was in my 20s, when I had pure yeah. tone. 
And what could I have been? What could I have been? And now my voice is just dust in the wind. And now I have to <laughs> try. <laughs> now <That's sad>. <laughs> it's gone. You just, it's, uh, my you chance just gotta is go gone. for like the <clears throat> I mean, you think about like uh Johnny Cash. What, Tom Waits. Yeah, exactly. Or Johnny Cash towards the end. You know, he like yeah. he used his <laughs> he he used the uh Abuse of his vocal cords as, a, as an asset. Yeah, you know, to, to gotta, show you got to go down on the gravel. Yeah, the gravel showed the life that mm. he'd lived. You can tell from the gravel in his voice. You can yeah. see that he's been there. It's a little bit of Phil <laughs> Phil Collins, Another Day in Paradise. Uh, a little bit of a double his reference voice. there because his voice is mm. gone. Oh, I'm so yeah, sorry. Phil, I say Phil, <laughs> Phil, get behind the drums again, mate, because because that voice is gone. But get behind the skins. That's where you. Do you know he's? I, I, just a little, little aside. Do you know? I don't know a lot about drumming. Do you know that drummers say that Phil Collins is one of the greatest drummers of all time? Really? Yeah, man. Because I think he was a drummer in Genesis before he was a mm. singer. And Pretty he, Gabriel. he was a he was a he's a skinsman. He's a skin skinsman. A lot of his, I would say virtually all of his hits are programmed drum machines when you mm, think about it, which go. is strange that, dr- that one of the world's greatest drummers in the world ended up yeah. being one of the greatest and most successful pop stars of all time as a singer, songwriter, and then using drum machines. Wow, we've got, yeah, to, do a, we've got to do a Phil Collins episode. Yeah, or maybe just a separate cast. Um, yeah. But he was, he was <laughs> like, Collins yeah. Cast. <laughs> the Collins We've got the Hay cast already. We've got the Collins yeah. cast. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, he, maybe he was just like, nobody's going to be as good as me, so I'll just have yeah. to get a machine to do it if I can't yeah. do it. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think I could probably invest in my gravel and then just go to karaoke and I could just yeah. sing all of these beautiful something like I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys where all of the, va- all of the, all of the value in the performance comes from the, the beautiful tone of their voice and just be yeah. like, you, you are my fire, my one desire. There's got to be a market for it. Can't you hear the gravel in my voice? Can't you hear the, I've the been, pain? I've been places. I've felt things. Yes, I know it's too late, but I want it that way. <laughs> I think we're at a kind of no man's land vocally where we don't have the kind of dulcet tones of our youth anymore, but we don't ha- yet have the layers of gravel that you need to reinvent yourself in yeah. old age as a vocalist. You're right. We're in no man's we're in no man's land. Yeah. I'm noticing actually, because I used to go um, you know, have have thirty or forty beers and then go to the karaoke bar and uh, <laughs> and uh, and then when I was in my early twenties and I remember like people coming up to me afterwards being like, man, that was that was great. Just various, yeah. With- various kind of Adelaide barflies tearing up so, <laughs> at my rendition of "Sitting on the Dock of the Bay." And now, but you got inf- you sung on a friend's. A friend invited you to sing at his wedding. He did, yeah. Shout out to Rob, which I was very, very shocked by. I thought he must have had a head injury. <laughs> <that night. laughs> no, I, I, I had a good uh, voice in those days, and and he. Uh, both Rob and his brother Andrew are listeners to the podcast, so shout oh, out to cool. both of them. But um, 
yeah, that was a wonderful experience. Although I did find that the difference between uh, being half cut at 3am at a bar in East London and uh, being at a wedding unmiked in front of an, <laughs> in front of an audience in broad daylight, stone cold sober, fairly fairly stark. And uh, I'm not sure that my, I think my, vo- I think for the first verse, my voice, my vocal cords were somewhat constricted by the sheer panic that I was experiencing. But then, <laughs> then I uh, relaxed into the performance, and it was great. It was a great opportunity and a great great fun. I was me and a guy. Me and a guy whose name I unfortunately have forgotten on the Glockenspiel, uh, just the two of oh, us. Oh, cool! Yeah, doing. Is there a recording of this thing. anywhere? Is this on Spotify? No, I think it was probably the kind of thing where people pulled their phones out to record it and then thought, "Oh, I'm just gonna let this one go." <laughs> then when they, then when they <laughs> later went, when they, when they backed up their iPhone later and they were having a look at how much space they had on their hard dr- <laughs> external hard drives, and they saw the video of, and they went. Yeah, I don't really think I need to see this again. Yeah, that was save a few bites. I yeah, could probably exactly. save a few bites by just dragging this <laughs> into the trash. <laughs> I'll just save a few bites. Yeah, uh, I think they probably thought, "Oh, John's not going to want to see this, so I'll just get rid of it." Uh, I have. Uh, so I'm going to. Um, I'm, I'll be in London in a couple of weeks, and part oh. of that is going to be a Friday night karaoke at the Walthamstow Workers Club. Oh, great! Which I will be at, and so mm-hmm. I can tell you right now mm-hmm. that I've been. Pra- I'm looking right here at all the songs that I've been practicing. Mm. So I need to maybe, guys, write in and let me know what I should perform. Now I won't be able to play this on the podcast. I don't. Th- well, I won't be able to play. I can probably play the. Or if I get somebody to record a video of it, yeah, I can probably play that on the podcast without any kind of AI picking up. Yes, yeah. and a, yeah, that that should be that should be fine. So, guys, what should I what should I sing? Let me. We'll do a poll, mm. John. John on on Instagram this week. Why don't you do a poll midweek and ask yeah. what song should Alex sing for karaoke at the Walthamstow Workers Club karaoke? That's a great idea. And I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you right here. Mm. East 17 is pre- the obvious choice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, everything's going to be all right. We could do that. <laughs> yeah, so we got, I'll tell you the ones that I'm okay at. Mm-hmm. Better Be Home Soon by Crowded House. Oh, That's yeah. actually Oh, so that's why I'm going over everybody is to see Crowded House perform at the Roundhouse with my friend Scott. That's why I'm going to London in the first place. I probably should do a Crowded House song as a warm-up for the gig the next night. You should. So we've got Better Be, Ho- we've got Better Be Home Soon by Crowded House. I've got I'm on Fire by Bruce Springsteen. I've got Heaven by Brian Adams. We got Don't Dream It's mm. Over by Crowded House, A Team mm-hmm. by Ed Sheeran. We got mm-hmm. Fall at Your Feet by Crowded House, no, uh, no, no, Forever no. Young mm-hmm. by Alphaville. That's hard. Forever Young it gets quite high. We got Let Me Love You by Mario. A little bit of an R and B tip. We got She's Electric by Oasis. Oh. We got Under the Milky Way tonight by The Church. That's kind of boring Baby, to sing. I just actually, it's don't quite get low. It. Exactly. Do you enjoy Love. being hurt? I know you smell the perfume and the makeup harnished. You don't believe his stories. So there's that one. We got yeah. There She Goes by the Lars, which is a classic oh, UK tune. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we got Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by the Smiths. Beautiful, cheerfully. One of your cheerfully. absolute favourites, John, which I added to my repertoire this week. Yeah. Which is fun to sing and is not that 
crazily difficult uh, is Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohen. Oh, yeah. Touchdown in the land. We used to sing... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> saw the ghost of Elvis and Union Avenue followed right. him up to the gates of Graceland and I watched him sluice right th- <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's what he used to say <laughs> we used to sing I watched him sluice right through there's chunk <laughs> there's chunks of Elvis's ghost going through the grating <laughs> <laughs> And I watched him sluice right through. (laughs) (laughs) So that's going to be me at the Walthamstow Workers Club. And we're going to do a poll and we'll see which ones you guys want me to sing. Yeah. Come on, guys. Give him a little challenge. Give me a deep challenge. And I'm going to keep at it, you know. I'm I'm going to give you something from like. Madam Butterfly. Oh God! Yeah, my friend Jess. Shout out to Jess, who I've spoken to, uh, spoken about previously on the show, is probably the strongest karaoke performer that I know. Oh wow! She does real challenging ones, like um, she's a soprano, I think. So she does uh, a bit of Kate Bush, um, wow. Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush. Man, that which is, is which is that's a lot of acrobatics in there. Holy shit! Yeah, it is. Uh, it's almost so good that it's like kind of spoils the fun for everyone else. It's a bit like a <laughs> professional football player turning up at a suburban match. Yeah. Okay. So that's the karaoke bit. Another- That's the sh- karaoke bit. Should we- End. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll add this bit as well. <laughs> I'll keep this bit in as well. Or you go, that's the end of my talking about singing bit. And now- <laughs> So gonna, organic. Now we're going to- Now I'm going to play the little dubby techno song that I made that always goes <laughs> before the outro. It always goes then on this bit right here. And then we get and then, ready. And then just cut it off and it says here, just after right. And then <laughs> bam, 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 We'll be back. Bam, we'll be bam, back. Bam, bam, bam. We'll be back right after this bit with the outro of the show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to episode number 60 of Don't Praise the Machine. As always, it's been fun. We appreciate having you. Well, I've got a quick question for you, John, that I wrote down. This isn't a fully fledged foot. This isn't a fully this isn't a fully formed bit, but I just wanted to ask you mm-hmm. if you knew the etymology of this expression. Why do people always say I'll play Neville's advocate? <laughs> I think it's. Um, I don't get it. What was there? Who was Neville, and why did he? Was he? Did he need a lawyer? Yeah, he must and have I been. Don't understand. Particularly heinous. I think it was a serial killer. <laughs> and it's, I'm gonna be. It's uh, yeah. I'm gonna be Neville's advocate here. And the law. There, there was one lawyer. All the other lawyers said, "I don't want to do this. I don't want to touch this with a ten foot clown pole." And there was one lawyer that said, "Look, I'll play Neville's advocate." <laughs> That's where the expression comes from. It's good. It's a good, it's a great movie starring Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino as <laughs> Neville. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you have anything you want to say for the end? Yeah, I want to say thanks, everyone, for cheering up my COVID-riddled heart and warming my cockles. 
Uh, and I'm going to yeah. see you next time on episode 61. 61. I have actually two uh, – I have two – Re- music recommendations. Oh. Uh, the first one, I've said some weeks ago that I was going to listen to the four Smiths studio albums and tell you which one is the best. Yeah. Uh, the best one is, I mean, they're all fantastic. They've all got a lot of amazing songs on them, but the one with the most amazing songs is The Queen Is Dead. The Queen Is Dead, uh. Uh, which is the third studio album by the Smiths released on the 16th of June, 1986. I mean, listen to this. You're talking, frankly, Mr. Shankly. You're talking, I know it's over. You're talking Cemetery Gates, Big mm. Mouth Strikes again, Boy With A Thorn In His Side, There Is A Light That Never Goes Out, oh, perhaps the Smiths' best-known song, and Some Girls Are Bigger Than Others, uh. all on one disc. All on one disc. Get, get out of town. Maybe we can tell that stupid Some Girls Are Bigger Than Others lyric change that I used to sing to you, John, which was... I'm not <laughs> sure. The song goes... <laughs> I'm, not, the song goes, I'm not sure it makes sense. The, <laughs> the song, the Smith Some Girls Are Bigger Than Others, the the, the lyrics just go, Some the, the chorus goes, Some girls are bigger than others. And I used to say to you, much in the same way that I used to give you a backstory about the cause song Love to Love You, about how that was about a person who was in love with a person who couldn't be in love with a person who mm. ran a non-biodegradable pillow factory. That's right, break those pillows down. Break those pillows down. Similarly, I said to you, you know that song, that Smith song, John, that's all about women that love smoked whale blubber and it goes, <laughs> some girls like hickory blubbers. And it goes, <laughs> it goes some girls like hickory blubbers. <laughs> Endless fun, endless fun. Uh, so, so yeah, qu- uh, the Queen is Dead by the Smiths. Check that out this week. And a second quick musical recommendation that yeah. I want you to check out. I don't have, I don't have notes on this because I didn't do the research exactly. The bloody listen to Coldplay's Coldplay's first album, Parachutes. Ah, oh, it's all killer. And it reminds me of a particular time in my life. So much that album, and I know all the songs mm. on it. Parachutes. By Coldplay mm. is my second suggestion. Second suggestion. It's really two albums. Everybody check out this week. Sort of like one, sort of like an author with one good book in them. I feel like Coldplay. <laughs> they had parachutes, <laughs> and and we loved it. And then we were like, oh, they're going to be exciting. Not particularly as it's turned out, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, check out, yeah, check those out. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in episode number 60 of Don't Praise the Machine. We can't believe that we've been here for 60 episodes and you've been with us the entire time. I want to say thank you so much and we can't wait to see you next week. That's going to be episode number 61 and it's going to be so much fun for the whole family of... <laughs> been sat next to my number one pod puppet my pod piper prince shankalonka my pod piper puppet prince shankalonka he's always sat next to me to give his input into the podcast he's gonna say goodbye to you now as well hi everyone i look forward to seeing you on episode 61 that's good. That's a great. That's a great contribution from number one pop 
pod puppet, Shankalanka. Thanks so much, everybody, and we'll see you next week at the podcast.